If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 17 and 18. I'm going to try to be brief today. I started looking at my notes and I thought, boy, this is going to be a struggle. Not to preach, but to be brief. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to I speak to you today on this topic, faith of our fathers. Would you say that with me? Faith of our fathers. And it shall be whenever they enter the gates of the inner court that they shall put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen trousers on their bodies, and they shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your love. And for your word, I just ask God that you have your way here today. Lord, let me decrease so you can increase. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you say this with me? Never let them see you sweat. When we talk about the faith of our fathers, we look in Scripture. And God lays out, and to me, I think this is unique because God lays out specifically how the priest is to enter the temple, and he tells him what he's supposed to wear. You can't have any wool on. You have to wear something linen. Everybody say light. Do you ever have on a linen shirt? You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's light, and it's, it's, it's breezy. And the whole reason for it is, is that he says, I don't want you to wear anything that will cause you to sweat. Do you understand that God's intent for us and this journey that we have with him is for it to be enjoyable? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, go ahead and smile. It ain't that bad. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's supposed to be enjoyable. We're, we're supposed to enjoy our journey and, and, and we ought not to to be involved in things or, or, or get a load on us. We wear our situations. We tend to wear our circumstances. And God's saying, I don't want you to wear anything that would ever cause anyone to see you sweat. Look at your name and say, just don't sweat it. We're talking about the faith of our fathers and, and how that applies to us. Our I, in, in 1 Peter 5 and 7, Peter tells us, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. How many of you remember when you were uh, just a kid? Now, some of you are going to have to think back further than others. But you remember when you were just a kid and, and you know, I never, I never, and it may be, and some of you may have, but I never worried about where the next meal was coming from. I never worried about what clothes I was going to wear. As a matter of fact, my, my parents, wanted, I'm not a, a, a guy that likes to go shopping for clothes. So when people compliment, compliment me on my clothes, I just refer them to my wife. Just <laughs> think of, because she, she does the shopping for clothes. And when I was a kid, my mom and dad used to take me to JCPenney's and put me in a dressing room. And I promise you, it seemed like I was in that dressing room for a week and a half. 
they, they, they would start bringing pants out, you know, and, and, I, and it's, it's bad enough, you know, I, I was kind of a, a husky fella, and that was the name of the pants they kept bringing me. They were called Huskies, and they, you know, you know what I'm talking about? And any of you ever have to shop that department? And it's just like, you know, come on, man, let's get, get me out of this department. But I never had to worry about that because my dad was providing for that. Now, that video that we showed earlier, and I, folks, I'm just going to tell you up front, I searched for probably an hour looking for a video because I didn't want just a cute song. I, didn't, I wanted something that would communicate that God is our Father. And everybody isn't blessed when they grow up with a loving mother and a loving father. And, and sometimes what happens is what God intended for us gets perverted by the circumstances that we've lived through. And God wants you to understand that it was his, never his intent that your father be a scoundrel or, or, or a monster. And so what happens is because that's what we've experienced through an earthly father, sometimes we equate that to our heavenly father. I met a group of people one time and they just, you know, they, they, they had been, there was just so much that it, it was rampant where there was, uh, everybody say illegitimate. You ever, you ever been told you're illegitimate? Let me share something with you. The relationship that brought you into the world might have been illegitimate, but you're not illegitimate. You have a purpose. God's got a plan for your life, and it's his will you're here. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, God's got a plan for me. But we have to learn how to trust him, cast all our care on him because he cares for us. The best gift we can ever give our families is to let them see us trusting God. Amen. This is the faith of our fathers. As a matter of fact, the man that's referred to as the father of faith is who? What's his name? Abraham. So if you take a look at Abraham, we, we're talking about the faith of our fathers. If you take a look at Abraham, it's a good sampling of the faith that God wants us to have. Does that mean that we never mess up? How many of you in here since you've been living for God have never made a mistake? Now, if you raise your hand, you're lying. You, you understand what I'm talking about? We, we, we struggle through life, but we don't have to navigate it alone. God's there for us. And it's something that Abraham learned, and we see it demonstrated in his life. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, I want to read this to you, and I want to talk to you just a little bit about Abraham. It said, now it came to pass after these things, everybody say after these things, that God tested Abraham. And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. So when you, when you look at that, what's the first thing that steps, that gets your attention? Every, see, everybody said tested. That's not what got my attention. What got my attention was it said after these things. And it made me start thinking after what things? After, what had he already been through before this happened to him? And see, some folks don't know your story. They don't know what you've been through. 
They can't, you know, it's, there used to be a song that said, walk a mile in my shoes. Any of you ever hear that song? It said, you know, before you criticize and accuse, just walk a mile in my shoes. Everybody doesn't know your story. And so here's Abraham being tested by God and, and nobody really knows his story unless you take time to look and see what he'd been through before. Well, let me tell you what happened just prior to that. Let me tell you what after these things are. If you look in the, first, the, the next chapter just preceding this, he had just had to part with his son Ishmael. Now, we understand Ishmael's not the son of promise and all that stuff, but if you're not careful, you read through the scripture and you don't let these people be human. And so we're just reading a story and we're not getting what they're going through emotionally. I mean, I want you to think about the fact that Abraham is packing his boy up and, and you know, Hagar, his, I don't know what you'd call her, you know, his, it was Sarah's idea. How many of you guys have ever gotten in trouble over an idea your wife had? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was, it was Sarah's idea. But Abraham had the relationship with God. And so as the father of faith, he should have said, no, that's a bad idea. But like if your wife comes up to you and says, I think we ought to have barbecue ribs tonight, I, you, my mouth shut. I know it's got cholesterol. I know it's bad for you, but I ain't saying a word, man, because I, I, I like the ribs. So Abraham doesn't say anything. He thinks, well, you know, if, if, if you're sure, I'm just telling you, there was some, you, don't, don't come to me and say, well, I can't serve God because I got a dysfunctional family. I mean, this is the, the father of faith is demonstrating dysfunction here. And what that does is it gives me hope. Because it lets me know that the people in Scripture didn't have halos on their head. They didn't walk on water except Jesus. And yet they strove to reach for God and hang on to him. And so he's parting with his son. I know it's not the son of promise, but it's still his son. What do you think's going through his mind? What do you think's going through his heart? Don't you think that it's possible that Ishmael may have looked at him and said, Dad, don't, don't send me away. Don't you think it's possible that that boy begged his father not to have to go? And here's Abraham, and, and, he's, and, and I understand that God's got a plan, but I'm just going to be up front with you. There's sometimes that we walk through circumstances, and we're saying, God, I don't understand how, these, how this circumstance could possibly fit into your plan. That's when you have to trust him. Amen. So he just lost his son. And then on top of that, folks that were supposed to be his friends stole as well. And he'd lost as well. So he's lost a boy. He's lost his son. He, he's lost a well. And now God's going to test him. Unless, unless I've missed something here, I think he's already being tested. How many of you have ever had someone test your patience? You know what I'm talking about? You got, if you've got children at home, you know, that are five and under, or six and over. <laughs> You've probably had your patience tested. Don't test me, boy. 
You know, we got those. And, and, and here's Abraham and he's in the middle of this stuff. But let me share something with you. What God has in store for you is so profound and it's so beyond your imagination that you couldn't grasp it if he tried to explain it to you all at once. So he would just tell Abraham stuff like, look up in the sky. You see all those stars? You're going to have more kids. Your ancestors will, will be more than those stars. Look, look as far as you can to the east, the west, the north, and the south, and, and that's the land I'm going to give you. And, and, and he hears that, but he's so far from it. It's one thing to hear the promise of God. It's another to believe it, to trust him. And so he's trying to trust God. And the Lord tests Abraham and he speaks to him and he tells you, I want you to take your son. Now hear God's words, your only son, Isaac. What happened to Ishmael? That was their doing, not God's. How many of you have ever gotten yourself in a mess before over some things you've chose to do? Wave your hand at me. Well, there's a few of you that are honest in here. How many of you had to have God come and rescue you out of the mess you got yourself into? And so God's saying, look, go get your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to take him up to the mountain, and I want you to have him look to the north, the south, the east, and west, and I want you to tell him about the promise that I've made you and let him know that that's going to be his promise. Oh, that's good, isn't it? But that didn't happen. I mean, that's, that's what you'd expect God to tell Abraham. Go do that. But instead he tells him, I want you to get your son, your only son, Isaac. Take him up to a mountain that I'm going to show you. Everybody say, it's a specific mountain. God said, I'm going to show it to you. And he said, and there I want you to offer him to me as a sacrifice. You don't hear anything about the conversation that, it, that took place between God and Abraham prior to Abraham acting on this. But you're not going to make me believe in a hundred years that Abraham just said, got it, Lord. I mean, there, there had to be some, God, you got to be kidding me, man. Are you serious? You just made me send Ishmael off. Now you're going to take Isaac? Come on, man. I'm a, I'm a hundred years old. You understand? I've waited for this boy all my life. What about all your promises? What about all this stuff you've told me? What about all that? It's amazing, isn't it? How we can all of a sudden just slip over into fear and slip over into frustration and leave faith behind us. I don't know the conversation that ensued between Abraham and God prior to his taking Isaac to the mountain. But what I can tell you is whatever that conversation was, that when it was over, Abraham walked away from there resolute, determined and dedicated to do what God had told him to do. So when you go to the latter part of that, let me just tell it to you rather than read it to you. You go to the latter part of that, and you can follow it if you want to in Scripture. It's in the 22nd chapter of Genesis. And then all of a sudden, he, I, I want you to see this. I want you to see how something transitioned. Have you ever had one of those moments where all of a sudden it's just, mm, you ever had, let me say it to you. Have you ever had a Popeye moment in your life? 
know what I'm talking about? Where all of a sudden you hit that place and you go, I've stood all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And you reach for the spinach. You make up your mind, I've had it, man. I'm fixing a clean house here. And so what happened is Abraham has had so much taken from him. There's been so much happening around him. And yet when he finishes that conversation with God, God has given him something that caused him to grab the spinach. And he goes up to that mountain and he looks at the servants. And this is what he says. He looks at those servants and he said, you stay here with this donkey. Me and the boy are going to go up on that mountain and we will come back to you here. I'm going up. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen on the mountain I'm not real sure but one thing I know in whom I've trusted and whom I've believed and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that that I've committed to him against that day and so Hebrews said about the faith of our fathers he said that he was persuaded that if he killed Isaac God would raise him from the dead I'm not coming off of this mountain without my promise I may be walking up unsure I may be walking up in fear, but I'm coming out of this thing in faith. And so they start the trip up the mountain. Isaac, this isn't Isaac's first rodeo. He's, he's seen sacrifices before. He knows what's involved and he's looking around and it seems like everything's there except one thing. And so he speaks to Abraham and he said, hey, dad, I mean, we got, we got the wood, and, and, and Abraham was carrying a torch, and he said, and, and we've got the fire. But where's the lamb? I wonder what went through his mind and his heart when, that little, when his son told him that. Where's the lamb? Knowing full well what he was going to have to do. But he's determined for Isaac to trust God. And so he looks at Isaac and he tells him, God will provide himself a lamb. Now, there's something we miss in this story that I, I never really heard anybody talk about. They go on up the mountain. And what you don't understand about Isaac is Isaac isn't a kid at this time. He's not, he's not a five-year-old boy. He's a young man. Abraham is well over 100. Abraham's probably between 115, 120 years old when this is happening. So this 15 to 20-year-old certainly could have refused this old man. But Isaac had seen something demonstrated in his daddy all of his life. It was the faith of his father. So he held his hands out and let him tie him willingly. If he'd have fought him, he could have beat him, but he doesn't. He gives himself and lays himself down. And this is what God gave me an imagination for something, folks. So this is what I, this is what I imagine in my mind is that because we get a glimpse of this in Hebrews, is that when he's laying Isaac down, he's saying, son, I need you to trust me. 
God's asked me to do something, and I don't understand why he's asked me to do it. But I've spent my entire life trusting him, and I can't stop now. So I'm asking you to trust me. And he looks up at his dad, and his dad, don't you know, but he's he's saying, but dad, I mean, if you kill me, he said, and I can't help but think that Abraham's communicated to Isaac, I I will not come off of this mountain without you. I'll stay up here and die with you, but I will not come off of it without you. Let me explain something about that. You have a father that would rather die for you than live without you, and he demonstrated that at Calvary. And so he's saying, I'm not coming off of here without you. It's going to be okay, son. It's going to be okay. And when he draws that knife back in his, Isaac's heart's got to be pounding out of his chest. And Abraham is getting ready to bring it down saying, I trust you, God. And the angel stops him. Says, don't touch that boy. Don't harm him. Because now God knows that you're not going to withhold anything from him. Let me share something with you. Oftentimes we go through circumstances we don't understand and God is trying to find something out. Am I first in your life? Oh yeah, you're first in my life, but that boy's really cute. You're first in my life, but I got my eye on that girl over there, and I don't know how she'd feel if I was a Christian because she's a little wild and, well, you know, I'm going to evangelize her, Jesus. Isaac, in that entire scene, Never saw his daddy sweat. Never saw his daddy wringing his hands going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. He saw his dad trusting God in an unseemingly unbearable situation. It's the greatest gift we can give our children. By the way, just as a side note, When the angel stopped him, he turned around and there was what caught in the bush? A ram. Everybody say a ram. What did Abraham say? God will provide himself a lamb. What did God tell Abraham before that? He said, I'm going to take you to a mountain and I want you to sacrifice your son on the mountain that I'm going to show you. Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb on that mountain. Do you understand that the place that Abraham offered Isaac is Mount Moriah, and that, my friend, is the same mountain that Jesus was crucified on. He, God provided himself a lamb, and Abraham called the name of God there Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So when, when John the Baptist sees him, what's he say? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It's the faith of our fathers. Everybody say he's almost done. 
I don't know what y'all laughing about over there. I wonder what would have happened if Abraham would have looked at Isaac and said, when he said, look, here's the wood and the fire for the burnt offering. Where's the lamb? I don't know, son, but if something doesn't happen soon, you, you fix and be dead. Because I'm, I'm, I mean, if God doesn't do something, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> he doesn't do that. Don't feed your children fear. Don't let them see you, and even if you don't know, even if everything's falling apart, don't let them see you sweating. What they need to see you do is saying, hey, everybody, let's pray. I don't know how God's going to do this, but God's got this. It's going to be okay. Give them something that they can hang on to. Let them see you trusting him. David had his share of trouble. Goliath, Saul, he had nations that were surrounding him that wanted to kill him. Yet in the midst of all that, he penned this psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Saul had been hunting him down like a dog. And when God set up a scenario where David is in the back of a cave and Saul went into that cave to relieve himself, one of Saul's men looked over at David and said, look, man, God's delivered him into your hand. Kill him right now. Kill him. right." Do you understand that sometimes the devil will encourage you and try to make you think it's the will of God? Come on, God's wanting to use you. That vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, but he wants to use you to do it. Yes, yes. In the name of the Lord. Doesn't work like that. But we can get twisted into believing. You know, the devil will try and twist it. They, they've got to see your faith. David's faith impacted his son. Listen to this in, from 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. The Solomon's talking. He said, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, Lord, my God, you've made me king instead of my father David. But I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they can't be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Wouldn't it do your heart good to hear a president say that oh no 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 that, that's that's not politically correct i'd love to hear a president not boasting on himself but boasting on god Amen. i'd love to hear a president show his dependence on god i'd love to hear a president say i'm trusting god Amen. to show me the way oh you'd get run out of office let me just explain something. If God tells me to share something with you, I'm going to share it with you even if you get mad at me. Because there's something I've learned in life. I'd a whole lot rather you be mad at me than God be upset with me. Amen. Amen. Boy, it got quiet. Don't worry. God ain't told me to tell you anything. <laughs> it's going to be okay. 
People don't pay much attention to you when things are going well in your life. But watch what happens when trying times come, when difficult times come, when the way is hard and the road's rough. Then everybody's got their focus on you because they're watching to see how you're going to navigate it. Are you going to run? Will you fold under the pressure or will you stand knowing that he's God? Paul didn't have any children of his own, but he was a father to many. In 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 17, he said, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. He said, you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved son in the Lord. Everybody say, my son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach in every church everywhere. Paul instructs them to follow me as I follow Christ. Did you ever hear somebody say, or maybe you've said it, I'm not asking you to raise your hand on this, but don't do what I do, do what I say. Get up out of that bed and go to church, boy. What are you going to do, Dad? I'm going fishing today. I've had a hard week. But don't do what I do, do what I your actions are always going to speak louder than your words. So when you're trying to tell your son or your daughter something and they're not, communi they're, they're not listening, sometimes you need to remember this. Your actions are speaking so loud they can't hear the words you're saying because our actions will always speak louder than our words. So they've got their eyes on Paul. Paul's telling them, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, Paul would be the epitome of the definition of having a bad day. Let me explain his bad day to you. This is in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four to 27. This is Paul speaking, and he's talking to the Corinthians, and he says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at the sea, I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers, from robbers, from my own people, from the Jews, from the Gentiles. I faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. I faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard all day long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry, thirsty, and often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And you need to give your life to Jesus. So you can follow me as I follow Christ. <laughs> now, these folks, these folks knew Paul. They, they, Paul had been a religious leader extraordinaire. He had, been, he, he, had, he, he had been a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And in one instant, his entire life was changed. So he went from knowing a smooth road to embracing this road. Now, listen to what he says about this when he's done, and it's found in Acts. All, all this stuff has happened to him through his life, and then in Acts, it's the culmination of his testimony. In Acts 20 and 24, he said, But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, I've been through all this stuff, but it doesn't move me. 
I've gone through all this, but I'm not going anywhere. I've had some rough days. I've had some bad nights, but I'm still here and I'm not moving. I'm still hanging on. He said, why? He said, because I want to finish my course with joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Do you know what that word joy means there? It means a calm delight. Never let him see sweat. Paul said, man, I've been through all this stuff, but I, you know, they, 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 they stoned me, left me for dead, man. They, they, they threw me in prison. <clears throat> What'd you do? We had a concert. We got up at midnight, man, and me and Silas started singing and praising God. And the jailhouse, that's where Elvis got his song. The jailhouse began to rock, man. We just, we just had a concert in there and everybody broke out. And it was, man, it was so neat. And the prisoner, the guard was about to kill himself. And I ran out and said, hey, 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 I'm still here. I hadn't run off. I hadn't abandoned ship. I hadn't thrown in the towel. Do you know what it does to your kids? When all of a sudden, when you've been through hell and back, they see you still praising God. They still see you loving God. They see you still giving him thanks and glory, not accusing him, not berating him, not, not putting him down, but saying, I love you, Lord. Thank you so much for all you've done for me. Amen. A calm delight. You ever been in an airport when the flights have been canceled? Joy is not one of the words you use to describe that scene. A calm delight. We, I, I, I was in a, uh, I, I was flying back home from Trinidad. They told us that they would hold the plane in Chicago. They lied. The, the plane left and we got there and, and the plane was still there, but they wouldn't let us on. And, and all of a sudden, then they said, and this was what really set everybody off. They said, well, we're not providing any housing or any rooms for you all, you know, because this was weather related. And that was after they told us that they would hold the plane. Man, people started saying things <laughs> that you would not read in a children's novel. There were words flying. There were, I mean, it, it sounded like a bunch of Tasmanian devils on the loose, man. And I, and I walked up to that counter, and I want to be honest with you. I'm, it wasn't like that I, I you know, I, well, praise God. It's <laughs> inside, I was a little upset. But you ought never let him see you sweat. And so I leaned over the counter and I looked at the guy and I said, look, man, I said, I know this isn't your fault. I understand that. I said, but, you know, it's not my fault either. I said, they told us they'd hold the plane. I said, but they, you know, they didn't. And I said, I, I'd really appreciate anything you could do for me. Now, you have to understand, I said that to him while all around us, it's, you're right, I'm going to do he leaned over the counter, and when he leaned over the counter, he whispered to me, and he said, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm putting you up for the night because of your attitude. <laughs> Enjoy your journey. 
To enjoy your journey doesn't mean that nothing goes wrong along the way. How many of you have ever been on vacation? Hold your hand up if you've ever been on vacation. I want you to think right now of the best vacation you ever had. Hold it up. Hold it up. The best vacation you ever had. You really enjoyed it, right? Really enjoyed it. It was wonderful. It was great. It was fantastic. Did anything go wrong? Last year was one of the best vacations we'd ever had. We were up in the mountains, man, and somebody got us a convertible. I'm driving around the mountains in a convertible. Pulled up to park, and there was a bolt sticking out of the curb. And that car hit it, went over it. Oh, my God. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I put it in reverse. I knew better than to gun it. I get out and I look underneath the car. Nobody ever knew this until now. I get out, I look under the car and that bolt, you, you know what I'm talking about, that cow, that plastic cow, it slid over that bolt and it dropped down and it wouldn't come back. Wasn't working. <laughs> I finally, I told Debbie, I said, look, just put it, put it, put it in neutral. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> Lord, if you could call Samson to take out a thousand men. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. This is a BMW. <laughs> Man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm lifting up. Ah! And got it over the bolt. There was just a little gash. No, it was just a little cut. And I thought, oh, no, no. I get on in the yellow pages. I'm trying to let my fingers do the walking, but they're running. Man, they're, I got to have some help. I get down, all of a sudden I find this place. You know, if I, I'm going to dealerships. I drive all the way over town. I said, can you help me? It's an emergency. <laughs> I don't want to pay $5,000 for a bumper that's got a little scratch. So the guy, I finally get to a place and the guy said, I think I can melt that together. I thought, oh man, I mean, I could have built a fire under the car. <laughs> but he gets out, he gets this blow and he, he you know, and, it, and I look at that and I think, man, you know what? I can't, I can't tell. So we go to check it in. I'm sweating bullets all the way back to the, we go to check it in when we check it in. And I'm thinking, you know, this guy's not even going to look underneath there. He walks around the car and he, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I got that fixed. <laughs> he looked under that bumper, man. And, and when he looked underneath there, it was fixed. It was perfect. What was the point of all that? <laughs> no, I remember <laughs> You're not going to get through your journey. You may be having the best time of your life, but I guarantee you something's going to go wrong. And if you define your entire trip by what went wrong, you're never going to walk in joy. But if you can learn to have a calm delight whenever... My son called me up and he said, Dad, I said, this was when he was 16. He said, Dad, I wrecked a car. I said, you did what? I didn't. I said, are you okay? 
He said, yeah, I showed up and I said, is everybody else all right? He said, yeah. Do you know what he did? He came to me later and he said, dad, he said, I want to thank you for not, well, I'll use the term he said, for not freaking out, for not, because he thought that I would go off on him. God help us to walk in a way that will cause our children to want to embrace the faith that we talk about. Would you stand with me today? You can have that calm delight. It can be yours. If you want that kind of faith today, all you have to do is ask Jesus into your heart. See, here's the deal, folks. I'm not into just, well, I go to church. Well, so does the devil, man. He shows up every Sunday on, you know, in some people's attitudes and in, in, in some circumstances that you find yourself facing. If you go outside today and your tire's flat, we didn't do it. But I'm saying that the devil shows up. But you've got to learn how, we've got to learn how to walk in that joy. You can have it by asking him into your heart and letting him become a part of your life. Don't treat that like it's, oh, I got that off my list. I'm good to go now. It's a relationship. And so I want to invite you, if you're in here today, you may, you may have been to church all your life, but you may never have personally asked him to be your savior. You don't get to go to heaven just because your mom's a Christian. You don't get to go to heaven just because your dad's a Christian. You have to embrace it. You have to claim it for yourself. And in the moment that you claim it for yourself, nobody will ever be able to take it away from you because it becomes real to you. And so I'm going to ask you in just a moment to pray with me and, and make that commitment today. Make up your mind today. Look, anybody, that, don't give me this stuff that, you know, well, you can't be a man and live for God. You don't know what a man is until you start living for God. Anybody can run with a crowd and drink. Anybody, look, anybody can do that. But the moment you make up your mind, I'm going to serve God, you're going to find out who your friends are. And I, all I can tell you is this, is what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend. So I'm going to ask you to pray with us in a moment. I'm asking those that are watching online today and those that are listening on the radio, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with us. We may be miles apart, but you're not miles apart from God. He can come inside the car with you. He can be in your house. He, he can show up. It's amazing. I was depressed one day and I was really needing something. I turned the radio on. And I said, God, let me find something. And a song came on that and normally I couldn't even get that station. And all of a sudden the song came on and man, it just lifted me up. And I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He is an ever present help in a time of need. And he is the father that you've always dreamed about. You, you may have had a great natural dad 
and you love him and that's wonderful. But I promise you, your heavenly father, my kids sent me happy Father's Day today and they were saying, I love you, dad, your best dad in the world, all this stuff, you know, and I'm thinking, man, I pale in comparison to God. And I so much want to be more like him. How about you? Would you stretch your hands to heaven and pray this prayer with me right now? Come on, let's pray it together in support of those that are praying this for the first time. Lord, I come to you today and ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I invite you into my heart and claim you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you raised Christ from the dead. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I receive you as Father, as God, as Savior, in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house. You say, Pastor, it can't be that easy. It isn't. It's easy for you. It wasn't for him. It cost him his life. Us being able to pray like that and see a change didn't come without a price. But aren't you glad he was willing to pay it? Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this building today. You go out today, make sure that you spend some time with your dad. Call him, text him, but make sure, well, you've spent some time with your heavenly father. We love you today. If you've got a need, come down here. We're going to pray for you. But for the rest of you, may the Lord smile upon you and keep you. Let, let, may he let you know that you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. In Jesus' name, God bless you and have a blessed week. We have gifts for fathers in the lobby. Please make sure to stop and get one.